I love what I do. So that really makes a difference. Other than an author, a podcast host, what do you do? Well, my favorite thing to do is come up with new ideas and be creative. And I mean, but to do that, I have to get out of my office. And so over the weekend, we get on the road and we drive up the coast uh, to Malibu, into the mountains. So you get to see the ocean, then the mountains. And then we have breakfast at this little place is called the old place. And they have peacocks there and picnic tables. And it's just, it's a really good place to de-stress, detox from the week and, and think creatively. What if someone told you that you could learn the secret to happiness or success? Maybe you have an interest in mental health or the unknown, or even the desire to communicate with the dead. These are the real stories and encounters from the real people on Behind the Story with Chuck Talk. And here's your host, Chuck Talk. My guest today is Liz Kelly, and she is the author of The Eight Second PR. With so many of us starting our own businesses, we need to figure out what is our brand. Do we want to brand ourselves? So Liz is going to answer all of these questions. I'm pretty sure you're going to learn something. The other thing, too, is I want to say thank you very much for supporting this channel. Because without you, this channel would not grow. So I'm going to ask you again, please like, share, and comment. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get started right after this short announcement. Liz, welcome and thank you. Thank you for having me here, Chuck, and thanks to all the listeners. I'm excited to hopefully offer some helpful tips about how to tell your brand story. Yeah, which is so important right now. I mean, with the, oh, I, now I don't even know what they call it, but the, the, the great migration away from work, and so many people are starting their own businesses, but even if you're not brand awareness, launching a brand and being successful is so important. It, it is. It's so important. And I mean, whether you are in high school or in the business world, you are a brand. And every time you post on social media, you are representing your brand. And so you really need to think about what is that tone of voice? What, what are your colors? So many things to think about that people don't think about because they just post. You know what? You're absolutely right because we we as individuals now have become a brand because of the social media and because we're all posting so much. And like you said, as a brand, we have to be aware of our voice, what we're putting out there because once it's out there, it's out there and it can spread like wildfire too. I, absolutely. I have a saying that says, if you would not say it on CNN or whatever your national TV station is that you watch, if you would not say it on national TV, don't say it on social media. I wish more people would know that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this latest book of yours. It's uh, Eight Second PR, New Public Relations Crash Course. There it is. Yes, absolutely. Well, this is a how to do your own PR. 
And a lot of people would say to me, Liz, I can't afford to hire you. I have a PR company called Goody PR. And so I said, okay, you can buy this book for $20 and, you know, essentially get it for free. And I've had people use it and actually get on television. So I know it works, but the eight seconds comes from the average attention span of an adult is eight seconds, which is actually less than a goldfish because a goldfish is nine seconds. So you really have to get to the point when you're communicating and that includes talking to people or in writing or on a social media post. You've got to get to the point. Yes, especially within a social media setting, there are thousands, millions of posts, videos and everything. And like I said, you need to grab their attention like that. Years back when they said that if you say somebody's name, you'll hold their attention for X amount of seconds. And I can't remember how many seconds it was. So with your eight second PR to immediately grab someone's attention, how do we do that? Well, I think there's a couple ways to do it. One of the things I love is something called emphasis statements or the power of threes. So emphasis statements is things like the most important thing is, or the top three things that I do are, because that gives them focus. And when you're watching TV, which I watch, okay, too much of it because I do public relations. So I have to see what are the headlines and how can I time my clients into the current headlines. But when I'm watching TV, I'm also looking at how the person is communicating. And what are they wearing? There are so many factors that go into the brand when you're on TV. But one of the key things is when these people or pundits, the experts, they use the power of threes. So they'll say, well, the, the top three issues that we need to look at in Ukraine are number one, number two, and number three. Mm -hmm. That type of person is easier to follow than somebody who just goes off on a rant. So that, that's the key. And, and so when you think about meeting somebody at an event or at a party, it's good to think of, I do three things. So it might be for me, I might say, well, I, I run a PR agency. I'm an author and a podcast host. And then just, and I love what I do. You know, you can put some emotion into it or some energy and smile and then just be quiet. And then have them say, well, okay, what, what's the name of your book? What's the name of your podcast? Because if you can get them to talk, then they're going to remember more because they're asking the question versus if you just go off for, you know, 15 minutes, some people will do that when they say, what do you do? Then you're going to get glazed eyes and they're going to forget. So as far as like the, the rule of three, in in this situation that's almost like going back to like a powerpoint and there, we're, we always just talk about bullet points right so you're you're giving a synopsis of what's what are my topic or what's coming up so that's a good thing to do exactly uh, and there are tons of ways to use that in in communication that's written I mean, I will put bullets in social media posts. I will put bullets in pitches to the media. I'll say potential talking points and I'll, I'll just list questions. 
in bullet points because most people, they don't have a lot of time. So they are just scanning through Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, or they're just scanning through their email. And you're lucky if they open your email and actually read it. So I spent a lot of time on the first sentence and then writing bullet points because that's the way people like to read. And you know what? You do as you say, because I have right here in front of me from you exactly what you said well, <laughs> and it yeah. and it does make it really easy because you know as a host i can absolutely look down and go ah point number two how to develop a wild story <laughs> and and that is one of the things i would like to ask you now is how does one create that wow factor that wow story that grabs somebody's attention you mentioned something about emotion so is that one of the things that you might use is your emotion? It, it's definitely about emotion, but it's about the story behind the story, which I know is in the whole concept of this podcast, because everybody has a business, everybody has a book that they want to sell, but it's the story behind the story that gets you the interview. So I'll give you an example. I work with an addiction center for military veterans and first responders. And they're the only one in the United States that's private, that's just for that group. So that's pretty unique. But what takes it to the wow is when I say, would you like to talk to former Special Forces Tom Spooner about how he almost committed suicide and a fellow warrior saved him? And then that's the wow because that people want to hear Tom's story. Yeah, the addiction center is really inspiring. It's fantastic, but nobody wants to sound like an ad, right? Mm -hmm. They want that personal story. They want that connection. And then when you tell that story, then a lot of people think, okay, I know somebody who almost committed suicide. I want to hear this story and how they prevented it. Now, now that's kind of an intense story, but you could tell another fun story that I'm working on is a baseball documentary. And it's about this guy named Max Patkin, who is known as the clown prince of baseball. And he would go to the minor league games and be like the first base coach along with the first base coach. And he would mimic their things and, you know, throw bats on the ground. And he, he was very funny. But the story behind the story is that the director of the documentary was a pitcher in the minor leagues who met Max Patkin when he was pitching a game and Max came up to his mound and, and, and started mimicking him and making fun of him. And, you know, the director was very tense and, and didn't want him there and basically told him, in words I can't repeat, get off my mound, right? <laughs> and Max says, cool it, kid. It's, it's just an act, right? Anyway, the, that that's an example of the power of story and the power of emotion and the story behind the story. So reporters like that. And then that also shows that this documentary is not being made by just a filmmaker. It's being made by somebody who actually met Max Packin and played baseball with him. And that makes the brand for the movie so much stronger and so much easier to get interviews. 
So a lot of the times we want to make things that are relatable, not only to, to us, but re definitely relatable to people out there. It sounds like the key, make things relatable. Well, that is very true also. And I got into PR because the first book I wrote was a dating book. And it was called Smart Man Hunting. And it was kind of make your maid hunt like a job hunt. But I really had fun with it. And I got 500 media interviews. And that's why we're talking today because I said, I don't want to be on TV anymore. I want to get other people on TV because obviously I'm good at this. But in the process, I hired two media coaches. And one of the most important things that the media coach told me was to make it relatable by not going on TV and saying, I know everything about dating. And I'm the, I'm the expert who gets dates all the time. The better approach was to say, dating is hard. And I've had many challenges, but I finally found my guy. You know, so you have the happy ending, but but you acknowledge the struggle because people watching and the people who I wanted to buy my dating book were the people who were looking for answers. Would you say that that's part of a pitch as well? I, absolutely. If you're pitching the media, it's always good to talk about numbers or talk about the the journey that you went on. It's, it's really important, as you said, to be relatable. I think that's a, a key word. Another key word that media look for is relevant and, and timely, meaning can you tie it to something going on in the headlines? For example, during Oscar and Grammy season, which we really just wrapped up, they had those two award programs. I was working with two authors that, who wrote mystery books. Well, mystery books are a hard thing to sell for a TV profile. However, one guy wrote the book Sideways, which won Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars. And the other guy worked in the music industry for 30 years and was actually a Grammy-nominated producer. So what we did was to make it relevant and timely, we said, here's the story about how two writers behind Oscars and Grammys never gave up and dealt with rejection because the book Sideways, it was a while ago that it came out, but it was very popular about wine in Central California and a guy who's about to get married and, and he's basically on his bachelor party week and he does all kinds of crazy stuff. But that book got rejected 250 times. Wow. 250 times. And then it finally got optioned by Alexander Payne, who's a big filmmaker, director in Hollywood, for $5,000. So the author got $5,000. And the movie won so many awards, and they say contributed to $650 million in revenue for the whole wine industry. And he put Pinot on the map. And here he's got $5,000. <laughs> so anyway, the point is that that's a relevant and timely story with also this humble beginnings story behind it. You know, speaking of relevance and being timely, I would imagine one would also have to be careful about relevance and 
time <clears throat> because say that what's happening in Ukraine and then you specifically say that and specifically give a time and date if a year goes by then it loses its relevance right so how would you work around that to to make it relevant now and for later do you put it into like a story of some sort well that's a really good question and i think what you always want to do is offer ways to help other people when you're pitching the media so the theme in that example i just gave they never gave up as writers and that theme is not going to go away even if it's not oscar or grammy season with ukraine i have another author who is donating part of his proceeds to the it's the polish literary foundation and they are making sure books get to refugee children and so that's a great thing well, you know, b books for children is not going to go away. Right. So I think you have to look at what's relevant now, but also what is a topic that is evergreen. That's what it, you mean by it never goes away. It's called evergreen. Right. Yeah, I uh, interviewed an actor, an author, and one of the things I asked him is about science fiction and science fiction movies and he says you know that's one genre that will really never be it'll always be evergreen it'll never go out because it's in the future and you're talking about that and so many people are interested in that so now i understand the term evergreen it's always going to be green there you go it's always relevant it's always something interesting and a lot of reporters do like telling an evergreen story and a print story is really good for that a tv story they're more trying to get it tied to the news speaking of all that you have a, a a way of folks getting a lot of free pr right media pr whether it be on radio or possibly even television or print how does one go about getting that type of free publicity well, that is a great question, and it's it's really what I do. I'm kind of the salesperson or the spokesperson for my client, and then I use my contacts, and I, I'm pitching the media, and there's different ways to do that. Most of it's through email, but you can also call or text if you're lucky enough to have their phone number. But let's step back for a minute, and let me just explain. This is called, I'll give you another term, earned media. And earned media means you earned the respect of the reporter who now wants to tell your story. Mm. And earned media is three times more valuable than a paid ad, right? So if you pay for an ad, I'm going to use television. If you pay for an ad on, say, CNN, then you're going to pay thousands of dollars. And then... If you get an interview, that is going to be three times more valuable. So what they do when when I get a media report about a TV interview is it will say, this is what the ad time was during this interview, because they actually look at the day and look at it's, it's Nielsen Media who does the report. So it's very credible. So they look at the day, they look at the advertising rates, and they say that's what it would be to have a three minute ad. 
And then they multiply it times three, and then that's your calculated publicity value. It's harder to do that for radio or podcasts or print. You have to look at the, you know, the number of subscribers or the number of readers or the, it's called the, what's it called? The average visitors per month. That's, that's for a website. So there's all different ways to do it, but really I, I know authors and, and small business CEOs, that's mostly my clients, who they focus on earned media and they just keep me on their payroll basically as per their team. I'm a contractor, but one client I've worked with for 10 years and it's because they see this value of consistent earned media and that it's much more valuable than a paid app. Okay. So speaking of that and your PR business, how does one find you? Your website? Absolutely. You can go to goodypr.com and goody has a Y. So goodypr.com. Or you can follow me anywhere on social media at Liz H. Kelly. And the H is important because Liz Kelly's kind of like Liz Smith. So Liz H. Kelly. And I'm happy to help. And, and usually what I do is I set up an introduction call so that they can get to meet me and I can answer any questions. And then we decide if there's the budget or if they want to work with me or if they want to just buy the book because it's cheaper. well i would imagine that getting your book no matter what whether you're at the beginning of the process middle or at the end of the process it's a good reference right i mean you you've got it in front of you so you can always refer back to it 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 is a good reference and that's a good point i i do also recommend that people who hire a pr agency get eight second pr the book because it will give them the inside secrets on things like how to be a better guest. And that's really important. And when you are a guest on a show, if a PR person sets it up for you, you are not just representing you, you're representing the company you're speaking for and you're representing that PR person. So you have to be very nice to the host and gracious. You know, gratitude goes a long way. And so I teach these things in my book. Now, they sound obvious. I know they sound obvious, but you'd be surprised how many people have canceled at the last minute or, you know, just not shown up. That's the worst. You don't want to not show up when you have a media interview because that person on the other end, that's a person. And they put a lot of effort into your interview. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. And all those things have happened. And so now what I have is I have Google alerts, which I know you sent me for this interview, Mm -hmm. but I sent one to myself too. And I send them the day before so that I, I remember, oh yeah, tomorrow I have that interview. And then I send it again about two hours before. And then sometimes I send another alert 30 minutes before. And depending on the client, I might send more alerts but that usually three is good but you really we're living in a busy world but you really have to show up you have to make a commitment if you're going to do earn media and promote your brand i absolutely agree and 
in this age and time right now with technology, it's so easy to set those reminders. And I do exactly what you just said, is I set a 24-hour, a 2-hour, and a 1-hour, and sometimes a 30-minute, but typically 24, 2, and a 1-hour. And, you know, you don't want, at least the way I think, you don't want to do a 10-minute reminder unless you have a 30-minute or 1-hour prior because you need you as a guest or even as a host needs a little bit of time to prepare and to settle. It's I find it sometimes difficult if you go from one thing to the next because your mind still might be at that other place. And if it's an important television spot to view, you, you want to make sure that you're spot on because I would imagine too yeah. that oftentimes it's hard to get that callback or that second chance, right? It, it is. And that brings up really good points. Whenever I have a client with an interview, I put in the reminder, here's a paragraph about the host and here's a link to the show. And ideally you want to watch the show or listen to the show if it's a podcast before you go on. So you know the style. That's that's all really, really important. Yeah, and I'm going to use that word style that you just said because you kind of mentioned this earlier as far as your brand. Is it wise? Is it better to go with who you are and to be authentic or do you create yourself as this brand? Which way do people go? Because I have had a difficult time with that and I know a lot of people that I've spoken with before have had that difficulty. They're going, well, do I create myself and make myself into something that's not me, but that's the brand I want? Or do I become and stay authentic and true to who I am? That's a great question, Chuck. I think you always want to be authentic to who you are, mm -hmm. but you also want to put your best foot forward. So for example, many years ago when I got divorced, yes, I'm divorced, my mother as a gift gave me a style consultant. And what the style consultant did was said, here are the best colors for your skin tone and here's the best styles for you to wear. And it just increased my confidence. Now that's a long time ago, but that was a really nice birthday gift from my mother. And I didn't know I was gonna be an author and be on things like this podcast, but it, that really can help. If you have any questions or doubts, find somebody who has a good sense of style or a style consultant and get their opinion and ask for them to be honest because your friends will probably not be completely honest. So you have to convince them I can take it. If it looks bad, <laughs> tell me. So that would be number one. Number two, yes, you want to be authentic and you want to come across as real, when I had clients on the Today Show, they said, we're not scripting any answers. And one thing that you will notice if you watch the national TV, because it's so tight, even local TV, with two to three minute segments, a lot of times it is scripted, meaning they have the questions and the answers already drafted. Now, the answers don't always come out the way you wrote it, but it's drafted. But when my client got on the Today Show, they said, no, we're not scripting anything. We're not writing anything down because we just want them to be authentic. Now, of course, this is 
a huge deal. So I gave them media coaching instead. And the media coaching was things like practicing what they might say, but I didn't put anything down in writing because I wanted it to be a natural instinct. I wanted it to be in their voice. So I think that that's a really good example. And really in terms of your voice, think about, do you wanna be encouraging? Do you wanna be helpful? Those are all really good things. Or are you, you know, a protester with a really strong opinion and and you want to come across stronger and harder? And I, I don't really have those types of clients, but, but you know, they're important voices. And so maybe it's a different voice. Okay. Yeah, I, I really like those two, especially when you said, you know, a style coach. That's not changing who you are. That's helping you become better, have a better presence. So, gosh, I know my collar doesn't look very good. I, I, I'm going to have to go out and get a style coach for that. And then the, the part between the different media outlets out there where, you know, sometimes, like you said, you do have things that are on such a strict timeline that you... The answers are already down, written down, and they've already gone over it with you or you know, with the other guests or whatever it might be. But then there are other situations where nothing is written down. And having that coach such as yourself walk you through or help you with these situations, I think, is invaluable for the fact that I almost think that there's nothing worse than having a guest or somebody that goes, and then they say 200,000 times. I know I'm sometimes guilty of that, but... People have to get used to sometimes where not saying something for half a second is better than saying, and that's a hard thing to do sometimes. I totally agree. And one of the things that my media coach taught me was if you're not sure about the answer, you can say that's a really good question. Some people don't like that because that's taking up extra time. But that that has helped me a lot in different situations. So I think you're spot on and... Part of what the media looks for, for example, if you're on national TV, they do a pre-call and they just want to hear, are you, are you opinionated? Do you have a strong why? Do you have passion? You know, can you speak with conviction versus somebody who's shy and uncertain? That That's a much harder sell for a producer because you're also representing that producer if you're on TV and that, that producer wants to keep their job. So TV is kind of the, you know, if you were gonna do stepping stones, I would do a print story and by print, I mean digital or in a newspaper first. And then maybe do, you could write your own stories. I've had clients who had a column in Entrepreneur that I got them. That, that's always a good way to communicate your brand. And then podcast, radio, and then move up to TV. Because when you talk to reporters, one of the things I've found is that it's invaluable because you can find out what do they care about? What do they ask you? Even if you send them the questions, that doesn't mean they're gonna ask them all. And it doesn't mean they're not gonna go off on a tangent. So pay attention to what they're asking and then fine tune what you're pitching the media and your messaging. And actually this eight second PR book is really a second edition. And the reason why it's a second edition is because going through those exercises, I figured out, 
Oh, I am missing how to be a great guest. Oh, I am missing how to create a digital press kit. People wanted that information and I, and I didn't have it in the first edition. So pay attention to what they ask, go slow, and then, you know, move forward to get on TV. I'm glad you mentioned about the digital press kit, or some may see it as an EPK, so electronic press kit, which is very important now because of the internet, and it makes the world a smaller place, but it also makes it much more crowded, so you need to have, I would imagine, a really good digital press kit. Is that something that can be outsourced and have somebody else put together for someone? Absolutely. You can outsource it or what I do is work on Google Docs and I'll create it on Google Docs and I'll put the headshot and the bio and maybe some talking points there and maybe some links to previous interviews. These are different things for clients, their their website, their social media, all these things. And I have a checklist in the book for you if you want. But the other thing that I've started doing, which is really helpful, is creating a Google Drive with media approved images because the reporter can then go in and just download the images they want. So for the previous interview, the one I was talking about, it was CBS San Diego with the Oscars and the, and the Grammy writers, the people behind them. I, I put together a Google Drive with them, with people like Whitney Houston and Pink and Alicia Keys, because they've worked with all of them. So the media loves visuals and, and loves being able to use them in their stories. If you have them ready, that, that just makes it easier. Otherwise, you're scrambling every time. Yeah, and that's part of if I wanted to say that the best thing to do is always be prepared. And using something such as a Google Drive for you to be able to share and have, you know, if I'm branding myself and if I'm putting myself out there, it would be nice to have different types of images for the different media outlets to immediately go in there and go, oh, that's the one that we like, rather than me just sending a headshot that's going to go out to 500 different outlets and it's all just the same. So that is... That, to me, is a really valuable tip right there. Well, thank you. And what I would advise the listeners is you want to have a really good headshot, but then you also want to have action photos. So, for example, with the baseball documentary, I have a headshot of the director who, you know, played baseball and also is doing the baseball documentary but then I also have action shots of him actually playing baseball. Mm -hmm. so, so those types of things are good to have both. Yeah. not Like you said, not only just your portrait, but you want to be in your environment as an environmental portrait of yourself. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Exactly. And, and I just want to emphasize this point. Lighting, lighting, lighting is really important for photographs. And I do have photograph tips in my book, but it's, it's really simple. If you have a smartphone in your hand and you're taking a picture of you, I want you to turn around until you find the right light. Mm -hmm. It's really that simple. Most people, they, they go up against a wall 
and, and you know they're they're stressed they're in a hurry they like just take the picture so they don't take the time to actually do a twirl I just made that up but yeah it's like a photography twirl to figure out where is their good lighting now right now I have a camera light that you can buy for something like $40 on Amazon it's so cheap and that can make a lot of difference when you're doing podcasts or TV interviews anything on camera videos if you're putting together videos for your YouTube make sure you have really good lighting and that that light that's really inexpensive so go ahead invest in it but if you're out and about do the twirl you're so right about that with the photography and the lighting and one of the other things too is if you're embarrassed to do the twirl or you're not really sure what to do the uh, another simple thing to do is you hold your hand up and you turn your hand and see where the light is on your hand and if it's over to your right 45 degrees face that way and you're going to get that light so you are a wealth of information for the listeners today so this is really good one more time let's uh, let's mention your book the author is liz kelly but you want to make sure it's liz h kelly and we have eight second pr new public relations crash course and this as you said it's in its second edition correct it is and it's got 20 new strategies for the post-pandemic world and lots of new case studies the whole thing about how i got my client on the today show is in there also bbc world news npr the dr drew podcast there's there's many many examples in there and that's what a lot of people like so it's not it's not about everything i have to say is about how did this happen and really practical advice tips and one of the stories that i love if i can share a story real quick yes is is that somebody called me and they said liz i want to have you on my podcast so i said okay because i knew her and i had had coffee with her and given her my book as a gift Anyway, she told me how she used my book to get on Fox 11 Los Angeles. We looked it up using the media report that I discussed earlier, and turns out they played it twice and it was worth over $40,000 in media, but then she got $10,000 in sales, in product sales. So I was so happy for her and she was thanking me and of course I was very grateful but what I loved is she had put like different sticky notes all over the book and there are eight steps in the book it's eight chapters eight steps and you don't have to read the whole book to get something out of it you can just go to the chapter on how to pitch the media or how to follow up with the media if that's what you want but the beginning is about how to develop the brand story that the media would be interested in and that's what she did too and so it was really exciting to see that and that story's in the book too well if i can be so bold as to use these choices of words i would say that the eight second pr book of yours is a pr bible especially for those who are just starting out but again like i was saying in the beginning it, whether you're just starting out you're intermediary or you're in advance i believe that people should go out and buy them because you're saying we are if you're on social media your brand 
It, it doesn't matter. Maybe even if you're just walking around, you're not in social media, but you're still talking about something and you want to get your voice across. You're still a brand. So why not be the best brand that you can be? So. Exactly. And the whole chapter two is also about digital media and social media. So that is a key part of it. And another thing I just want to add is it's it's kind of a funny story. I I was introduced to a marketing and PR genius, and I emphasize genius for baseball. He has promoted the Baltimore Orioles, the Boston Red Sox, the LA Dodgers, San Diego Padres, and he's got six world championships behind him, right? So we get on the phone and we start talking. Well, it turns out I went to an all-girls school in Baltimore. He went to an all-boys school in Baltimore. All these schools, that's the way they do it. I, I don't like that, but that's the way it is. Anyway, his school and my school were right across the street from each other. And he got an internship when he was 17 years old with the Baltimore Orioles. And he said the thing that launched his career that made all the difference was writing and communication. So before we go, I just want to emphasize that because I know you have a K through 12 listener group out there too, is that internship and his writing made all the difference. And, and that really impacts your brand because if you can communicate, if you can write, it's, it's going to make all the difference. So pay attention to that in, in everything you study, if you're out of college or you're in the corporate world, you know, look up tips on how to be a better communicator or how to write better because that is going to make a big difference in how your brand comes across. I agree. Absolutely. 100%. And I say that so many times about everything you're saying, but I'm going to have to add with that, especially in this, in writing, oftentimes you find not just younger folks, but so many people using acronyms. And what is a T-G-I-M-N-O? I don't know. So sometimes spell it out. <laughs> just so it's easier because you don't want to miscommunicate something. If you're using just an acronym, somebody might go, oh, well, that's an odd thing to say. But you didn't really mean that. You meant something else. So. I totally agree. You can't make any assumptions that people know what you're talking about when you're talking to them. And the beginning of my career was corporate training and development. So I think I, that got ingrained in me there. But the communication skills that I learned in high school are really what helped me the most. So really, it's a, it's a great opportunity to enhance your communication skills when you're looking at your branding. And you can get a crash course. That's why the subtitles new public relations crash course in eight second PR. But there are plenty of other resources out there too that I, I really recommend that you make that a priority with your branding. And with that being said, this was fantastic. I learned a handful of new ways of thinking about things and to be more cognizant about how I present myself. So for me to you, thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thanks to all the listeners. And go to goodypr.com and 
email me, follow me on social media at Liz H. Kelly, because I want you to be a success. Yes. And remember, goody with a Y. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, hey. Thanks for listening to this podcast. So I hope you enjoyed it and that you learned a little something out of this podcast. So remember, check out 8secondpr.com and you can also get her book on Amazon and where finer books are sold. And don't forget, you can also find her under Liz H. Kelly uh, under a lot of the different social media sites, you know, uh, for example, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So again, thanks for sticking around, listening to the podcast. And again, please be sure to check out the 8 Second PR. This is a fantastic book and it is in its second edition. So once again, my name is Chuck Tuck. And until next time, have a good one and come back again. Bye bye.